Grace, Grace mercy, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Nicodemus, a Pharisee who sat on the Sanhedrin as a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus under the cover of darkness, he did so in humility. See, Jesus had just been in the temple around the time of the Passover feast, and while he was there, he was so consumed with zeal for his father's house that he made a whip of cords and drove out the money changers who were giving kickbacks to the corrupt Sadducees. Of course, those who were in charge of the temple demanded an explanation of Jesus, a sign for why he did these things. And Jesus, in a truthful but unperceived way, proclaimed that in three days uh, after the destruction of this temple, Jesus would raise it up. Now, everyone thought that Jesus was talking about the great temple that Herod had constructed, that it had taken 46 years to build, but of course, Jesus was speaking about his body. Now, Nicodemus was part of these very public conversations as a ruler of the Jews. But what was different about Nicodemus is that he wasn't adversarial, he wanted to hear more. And yet he was afraid of what the others might say and think and do. And so, under the cover of darkness, Nicodemus approached Jesus in humility. It's quite an interesting exchange, at least as John records it, because Nicodemus doesn't really ask Jesus uh, any questions. He, he makes a statement that leaves the door open for further conversation. He approaches Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus continues the conversation. He answers it, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, that, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answers him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That, that which is born, born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes to hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And again, in all humility, Nicodemus replies, Well, how can these things be? Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the text and that is the context of our gospel reading for this second Sunday in Lent. But what does it mean? Well, I suggest we take our cue from Nicodemus who approaches Jesus in humility. So we come to this text, we come out of the darkness of our own understanding, and we come into the light of Christ as he illuminates his meaning for us today. Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, it is a fact that all of us here have a birth. 
a day when you were brought into this world out of your mother's womb, a day of great labor, mother, a day of great rejoicing. You were born. But approximately nine months before your birthday, God chose to conceive you in your mother's womb in union of your parents. That's how God brings new life into this world. God's plan to bring new life into this world was, was designed that way from the beginning. Male and female, he created us. Now, in addition to the biological differences in compatibility of male and female, God ordained that a male and a female may unite together in the bond of marriage. And in this security of this union, a husband and wife would be God's instrument of bringing new life into his good creation. Marriage between husband and wife would offer the different but complementary framework for the raising of children. Marriage between a man and a woman with a mother and father present and active in the lives of their children is God's design for the nurture and for the instruction of their children. It's a beautiful design to both bear and to raise children. And yet, almost from the beginning, Satan tried to thwart God's good plan. He figured that sin would be the end of life, but he didn't take the verses of God into account. In God's pronouncement against the devil, it was revealed that one born of a woman would crush the devil's head. Then to Eve, God pronounced pain and childbirth. Now, now, pain and childbearing means far more than just pain during labor. It means that even here at the beginning of life, well, there would be pain and suffering. For husbands and wives who, who may desire children, but might find it difficult or impossible to conceive. Well, for husbands and wives who conceive, those who maybe do not always get to hold the child that they look forward to. The pain in childbearing can extend to broken marriages where one spouse now has to care for a child or for conception outside of the bond of marriage and so many others. And yet even still, God's plan for life endures. No matter, no matter how it is that you're brought into this world or what, what your family situation is, I want you to hear God's word for you today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. From Psalm 139. You have value because God created you. And in love for you, God the Father sent the Son to redeem you from sin and death. See, you were born. But your first birth, your natural birth is always going to lead to death. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born a second time. Or better translated, you must be born from above. Well, how is that to be the case? Well, John 1, 12, through 13, 12 and 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Faith in Christ, 
That's it. That's how one is born a second time, born again or born from above, faith in Christ. But of course, we should say more because the scriptures say so much more. How is it that we have faith in Christ? Well, Luther will say it succinctly in the small catechism that we don't believe in Jesus. We don't come to him. We don't have faith in Jesus by our own reason or strength. We don't choose God. We don't choose a second birth. It's not our work to create faith. It's God's work. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies us through the hearing of the gospel of Jesus. Or as St. Paul says, faith comes simply by hearing. Faith in Jesus comes by hearing what Jesus has done for you. Faith in Jesus comes when the Holy Spirit is creating and sustaining faith through the proclamation of Christ Jesus for you. Without the gospel of Jesus, all creation is doomed to death. If God only pronounced judgment on Adam and Eve, that they would die for their sin, well, then we would be living in a very different reality right now, if at all. If mankind was left to sin and death without God's mercy and grace, well, then there would be no help and no hope in this world. But because God is full of mercy and grace and has made and has kept wonderful promises to Adam and to Eve, to Abraham and the like, there is help and there is hope in this world even amid sin and death. For God always keeps his promises. The one born of a woman to crush the head of the serpent has come in the person and in the work of Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is God in the flesh who has come to fulfill the ancient promise. He took up our flesh. He was born our birth. He suffered for our sin and he died our death. As the nails pierced his heels, the head of the serpent was crushed. All who are born of the flesh are born to die. But Jesus rises on the third day. He defeats the devil. He lives and reigns, and he will never die again. And that's good news for you, because your second birth is connected to this historical event. That's what your baptism is. It's your second birth by water and the Spirit. It's the union to the death of Jesus and to his resurrection. St. Paul again. You were buried with Christ into his death in baptism. His death is your death. But you were raised with Christ in your baptism. And so you walk now in newness of life. Your sin forgiven you on account of Christ's sacrifice for you. You have been born to a new life, a life from above. It's a second birth. And the fullness of what this means is still yet to be revealed. Right? For you were buried with him in a death like his. You will be raised 
with him in a resurrection like his when our Lord comes again in glory and raises us all from the dust and ashes of the grave. And to that all the baptized say, Come, Lord Jesus. You were born. When you were born, you were brought into a family. Just as you didn't come into this world on your own, you were born into some sort of family where you were where you were fed, where you were clothed, where you were cared for, where you were educated, where you were disciplined, and all the other things, good and bad, that come from being born into a family. For you were created for family, for community. That's God's good design. Sin has deeply affected our families. Divorce, desertion, disinterest, Arguments, verbal and physical abuse, sibling rivalry. Well, you and I know this, and we know it all too well. When you were born a second time, you were also brought into a family, and that's called the church. It's the communion of the saints. It's the people of God. Meaning that in your baptism, God has called you to be sons and daughters but not just sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the king, born into his kingdom. And that makes us royalty. Not the snooty, snobby royalty that exists in the world that you read about in the tabloids, but the servant type of royalty that was shown in the person and the work of Christ the king who has come to save and serve The family that you were brought into is not a perfect family by no means, and we know that, don't we? But a family that seeks to live out their lives in light of Christ's forgiveness, loving one another, forgiving one another, never fully as we should, but always in light of how we have been fully loved and served and forgiven by Christ Jesus, our Lord and our King. And one more thing about this family, the church. We eat together. Not just in our Lenten and Advent meals, but at the altar. We come seeking the same spiritual food and the same spiritual drink that is offered to us by Christ the King. We come to receive His body and His blood. To strengthen our faith as the Holy Spirit brings us into communion with Christ and to strengthen our bond of love as, uh, with one another as we stand shoulder to shoulder and, and kneel side by side. To be united with Christ and to be united with one another and also with all those who have gone before us in the faith. This is good news. Remember moms and dads and grandparents and husbands and wives and all those who have gone before us in the faith, remember that they are at rest with Christ and they are present with us when we share in this communion. And one day this foretaste of the feast that is still yet to come will give way till its fulfill, till its, give way to its fulfillment when we are rise, raised with Christ in the glory of the new earth under the new heavens. And to that we say, come, Lord Jesus. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's, it's a blessing to be born. 
And that in and of itself is a gift from God. But our first bor- our, uh, <clears throat> to be born a second time or born from above is a blessing as well. For in our first birth, we die. But because of our second birth, we will live and we will live forever. And all this is from Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord, who was sent by the Father for our salvation. And the Holy Spirit, who, who was sent by the Father and the Son, that we might be sanctified, made holy, and given every blessing in Christ Jesus, born into his kingdom. You are God's children. You are children of the King. What a blessing that is. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.